Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. Let me just say on this fine Saturday matinee morning, I have light in the sky, gentlemen. Light <laughs> in the sky. 
and that is is it the light at the end of the tunnel is it is it the darkness <laughs> is I have partying to look out the and it's like carol <laughs> ann go to the light <laughs> or is oh, it wow. more of like the patrick swayze going into the light at the end of ghost you're just gonna like away i, would, I think us. it is, is i think it's clear i would follow patrick swayze anywhere <laughs> It is not headlights. It is not street lights. You guys, it's the sun. It's not up, but no. it's coming. We are a scarce two weeks away <laughs> so from being close. on the same time zone again, and I cannot wait. <laughs> the sun's been up for like an hour oh, here God, I, in Arizona. I, that's that's a whole, you know, you're way too far north. I am. I'm practically with the in northern the northern lights. Arctic. That's what it feels good, good, like on yeah. these uh, Saturday matinee mornings. How are you guys doing? Oh, good, good, yeah. Wide awake, having bagel and orange juice. Do you have any Nutella on it? Because that's the only proper way to eat a bagel. Oh, yeah, Nutella and everything bagel. That doesn't, that's a bad could put No, not an everything bagel, just a little butter on an everything bagel. A little garlic so. with that Nutella? Mm. <laughs> no, that's, that's... <laughs> well, you're selling Nutella way short. But let me just say, I've seen nothing uh, cinematically this week apart from uh, the movie we we're talking about this week on the show. Uh, but uh, I have been binging The Expanse. Have you guys seen that show? We started the first season, and I think we got like two or three episodes in. And I was expecting from sci-fi, like, oh, it's light sci-fi. <laughs> and I was like, oh, crap. I'm not ready for this. I... <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot going on in that. I was like, oh, this is like my... This is my follow-up to like Battlestar Galactica. This is like there's a lot of politics. There's a lot of cool stuff yeah. going on, and I just did not have the mental capacity at the time we started that. So... I'm like, oh, I need to sit down and be focused. I can't just be like, ah, yeah, I'll have this on and sort of pay attention. I'm really intrigued yeah. by it because uh, I was really surprised. And then as I've learned more about the books and everything, I, there was a, um, oh, what's that podcast? Imaginary yeah. Worlds yeah. episode about it. And I didn't know that it was based on like a role-playing game because in like the first or second episode, like a main character gets killed off and it's because well in the game they were playing he decided he didn't want to play anymore he had and so they killed off his character and when they adapted it to the novel they're like well we'll just keep that we'll just yeah kill that character it was it it was really it's it's exceptional i actually read the book uh early and i read it as part of uh the peter f hamilton series mistakenly i thought it was part of that series and i was reading it on audiobook so i didn't have the like benefit of the covers and things and the cover looked very much like the the peter f hamilton series it's not by peter f hamilton so you can imagine i read i was like two books into this peter f hamilton series and then i read book one of the expanse and i thought man none of the characters cross over and and that in fact is a peter f hamilton kind of thing to do it's like such an expansive series and universe that that uh that checks out like that's something you would do but years go by and a buddy of mine says you got to watch the expanse it's exceptional television and so uh i started it i was like this is really familiar and then i went back and realized i've already read the book and the book was also exceptional, and it's not Peter F. Hamilton at all. It's James S. A. Corey, who is, as Steve mentioned, it's a, actually an amalgamation, a, a strange amalgamated uh, pseudonym 
for uh, these guys who uh, originally uh, developed this game, developed it as a game, and now it is also an exceptional sci-fi, hard sci-fi TV show. Uh, so I finished season one, and it's uh, it, I had a great, great time. This, that was my sick day watch, awesome. my sick day's watch this week, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Wow. Now, I haven't... I've, <laughs> my wife has been shaming me. Um, she, she has seen far more... Oscar nominated movies. We we have um, access to some some screener copies of some Ooh. movies, and so she has, as she's been working home, has just been bl- she's been blasting through stuff. It's like I come home, she's like, yeah, you know, you know, Darkest Hours, blah 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 blah, Florida Project, Lady Bird. I was like, oh. wait, today you did, and it's so I, it's like she's seen all the Best Picture noms. She's got. Best actor, best actress covered, supporting actor, supporting actress covered. I think the only thing she hasn't seen is like any of the documentaries. So I was just like thinking, I said, I'm like, man, she's got to get on Letterboxd because I, she's got some interesting, seeing everything like in such a condensed period of time is, is really interesting. The connection she's seen between things. We've had this raging debate in our household about best score between Phantom Thread and Dunkirk. So I, I am woefully underprepared to debate her because she's got everything so fresh in her mind. So I'm just sort of defaulting to, well, she knows what's going on with the Oscars. I, I, I don't know anything this year. Well, there was an interesting article, speaking of, of trying to watch everything, in uh, I think it was Wall Street Journal about the Oscar completists and these people who you know go to the ends of the earth trying to make sure they've watched every nominee before the Oscar ceremony kicks in. And how they're, you know, driving four hours out of their way to go to some podunk movie theater uh, just to catch, uh, you know, a, a, the last screening of a particular movie or whatever it is. And it's it's funny how there's this this small contingent of these people who are out there trying to, uh, you know, get that done and be these completionists. And as much as I'd love to be one of them, it's like <laughs> there's there's time, there's work, there's kids, there's family, there's, I, you know, I just haven't been able to uh, do it. I'm so behind. I don't, I don't think I've ever been as behind. And I don't think since we last spoke, uh, I don't think I've seen any additional uh, nominees. So that's how successful I've been doing. Those, those completionists should maybe be Academy members. Cause I, I read an article <laughs> yeah, right. where they were, they were talking about uh, some of the younger Academy members, you know, that have had conversations, some of the more, you know, Older Academy members and regarding Get Out, and apparently there's you know quite a few of the older Academy members who have just said, "Ah, oh, that's not an Oscar movie. I'm not even going to watch it." Yeah, you know. So it's like the exact opposite of not being a completionist, but just you know, sort of prejudging movies and saying, "Well, I'm not even going to bother." It's like great. And then I didn't know. I may have known this, you know, several years ago. I forgot or did not know about the whole methodology for Best Picture. It, that whole voting calculation method is really unusual so that's sort of thrown my way to sort of predict what's going to be best picture for a complete loop because it's not about who gets the most votes it's this like whole like everybody rank orders theirs and there's a whole process to that so it's not just like oh this got the most votes it's more complicated i don't i don't i can't explain i can't uh wrap my head around that can uh, can you do you know are you just being cagey and you actually know it or are you uh oh it's no it's something like uh i think everybody like rank orders theirs and then they look at the first picks and if the first pick doesn't have like more than 50 percent of the vote then they go to like second picks and so then look at is is among everybody's second picks does that film have 
50%. And so they sort of work their way through. So it's like everybody may split on their, what they think is the best. And let's say it's like split between a bunch of things, but everybody agrees that like, Oh, shape water is good. Wasn't my favorite. So it's second. So then like, you know, 53% of the people I have shape of water is ranked number two. That then wins because it's the majority of, you know, so you have to get above that 50%. It's not just like, Oh, well, you know, Ladybird got, you know, 27% and the next runner up was like 25%. So Ladybird has the most, they have to get to a 50% threshold. So they're working their way down the rank order. And that uh, from, I'm just reading about it now. It sounds like, yeah, if one picture um, is uh, accumulates more than 50% of the vote, it's the winner. Um, and then they take whichever film, if not, then, yeah, then it go, falls into this thing that Steve's talking about. And then they take the one that has the lowest number of first choice votes, remove it from contention, take all of its ballots, redistribute to the second choices, and it just keeps going. It's It's called instant runoff voting that yeah, they came up yeah. with in 2009 so uh, and and best picture is the only picture in the competition that is done like this is that true that's that's, that's my understanding yeah, that's yeah same here that's it's really interesting and i say you know what we scrap the electoral college and just do it this way go to yeah. this just do it this but way only for, for, for president <laughs> vice president we do the normal yeah. way <laughs> these days it's the one who holds up a white flag and just says okay i'll do it yes uh i think uh, i would like a a brief rundown uh before we dig into any deeper what do you guys do uh on oscar night what is your what are your oscar night traditions uh that that you are looking forward to this weekend we've kind of fallen apart as far as that goes (laughs) we used to (laughs) We used to have a, a group that we'd all get together and uh, and watch the Oscars, and it was a big thing. And and then everybody had kids, and then nobody was watching the movies anymore, uh, other than uh, my Ange and I, and uh, and nobody was interested in doing it. And so uh, so we've kind of fallen out. So we're we're I guess we're on the hunt for a new Oscar group, maybe <laughs> is is the way to describe it. <laughs> but otherwise, it's just been uh, us just sitting here uh, watching it by ourselves with popcorn. Oh. Oh. But the good thing is that that uh, that Olivia has been getting interested in it, and even though she hasn't seen uh, pretty much any of the films except for some of the animated <laughs> ones, she really enjoys watching the speeches and everything. So I feel like you know I'm I'm turning her into an Oscar lover. So that makes me. That's happy. what we're trying to do too: is craft Oscar lovers out of the event, even though the kids haven't seen all the movies. Steve, what yes. what do you do? Yeah, we uh, we've got some friends we get together with. They've got some kids, and you know, as ours are you know teenagers uh they have seen you know a greater percentage of the film so they're they're sort of interested so we we sit down we watch we everybody you know gets their ballots and we vote we sort of you know see who comes out as the winner who did the best you know predicting uh at the end and just sort of just you know it's it's hanging out with a small group of friends and uh you know having have a little lively discussion sometimes about who who we thought really deserved to win and sometimes you know we (laughs) People run a backup ballot of here's who I here's my who I think really deserves to win. And then here's the sort of who will probably likely win based on other factors. So everybody sort of we have those discussions of like, yeah, 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 we knew that one was going. But really, this was my favorite. I think this really deserved it. So we have some lively discussions about those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's only a way for people to to secretly get two votes. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah oh you yeah rationalize it, 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 it any way some you good want. discussion <laughs> oh yeah but it's 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 good discussion about you know the merits of you know artistic 
you know, plus then the, the pol- political, you know, side of things, yeah. you know, what, what's appropriate. We, we, uh, and, and you, everybody does their own, uh, all of their own, uh, calculations in instant runoff vote, I'm sure. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you want to, you want to get serious. You go to the Sarmento house for Oscar night. Right. <laughs> well, we did entertainment weekly was running a best of the best picture thing on their website and it was in like their Oscar issue of the magazine. So sort of a whole, elimination bracket system of like filtering down to what is your best what is the best best picture and that was interesting because we ran that just you know i did it my wife did it my brother's in town he did it and we you know sort of discussed what you know how difficult that is once you get down to your final four it's really difficult but what we found interesting is i think just yesterday you know, based on the online voting, the best, best picture of all time, according to Entertainment Weekly fans or voters on the website, was like Crash. Gone with the Wind. It was, you know, it was Gone with the Wind. And my wife's like, so basically, why have we been making movies for the past 80 years or whatnot? Uh, you know, because everybody thinks, you know, Gone with the Wind is the best, best picture. And I, I, I think we, that's not. We all, I do too. Oh yeah, we all disagreed yeah. with that. And I, it's like, oh, because a lot of people maybe just voting because you know it's an important film or it's a it's a classic. It's supposed to be one of those things. And um, clearly, they haven't seen a lot of other best picture movies. I'm, I'm sure that's it. <laughs> right. That, it, well, that's that's part of it. But yeah, there's a. I mean, there was a, a lot of debate and discussion in our house about you know the merits of some films over others. Uh, and I think that's the part that's you know really thrilling to to have at the, at the Oscar party is. That diversity of uh, expectations or what you think is a good film. Uh, it, we did run across basically like flick chart hate crimes where you, once you get to your final four, you're like, I, I, I you can't. What do you, what do, you do when yeah, you get yeah. that far down? So I, I encourage you guys to go through that frustrating <laughs> exercise of the uh, best of the best pictures and, and see where, where you end up. Haven't we pretty much done that on Flickchart? Isn't that, though? yeah, <laughs> we did that. Yeah, but this is all just, you know, Look at all the films that have won Best Picture, yeah, and you know filter it down, and they 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 categorize them sort of like the you know classic era, the you know blockbuster era of the eighties, and you know so you end, you ended up with some really interesting matchups. Well, looking at mine because I'm curious now on my flick chart, uh, Lord yeah. of the Rings: Return of the King would be the top, and then I have to scroll down. Then The Godfather. And then mine, mine's the Godfather. Yeah, Forrest Gump. Yeah, no, it's because you. I think the, some of the brackets start off with like terms of endearment versus ordinary people. It's like, whoa, okay, that's you know, or My Fair Lady versus you know West Side Story. So you've got some really tough ones, and then you've got somewhere you're just like, I. It was like I can't remember. It was Sound of Music and Midnight Cowboy or something oh, like that. And you're yeah, like, Whoa. come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, they really just need to try Flickchart, and they can. They would just yeah, exact same thing over care of it. Yeah, in fact, the, the Flickchart community has already solved this problem. Just everybody's yeah. done it. So take take those. Uh, well, we do. Uh, I'm pretty much, you know, my kids again are like they're younger. Like, uh, you know, uh, my teenager is absolutely trucks with it, but it's just not into as much the event uh, of the show, and so. Uh, you know, she's interested in, in the movies she's seen and then we'll kind of drift in and out. My son watches it because it's TV and, uh, <laughs> and and my wife isn't really into movies. So our conversation actually started last night where I had to say to my wife, look, the Oscars are Sunday. I have no one else. 
it is important to me <laughs> that I'm able to sit down starting at, you know, four, whenever the pre-show starts and begin watching this show and invest in it. So I'm not available to you after that. And if you want to come in and watch with me, I would love that. But can you take care of dinner and just be that be that person? <laughs> it is it is like <laughs> it is the saddest uh, little experience because I have no I have no crew uh, also to to watch the uh, Oscars with. So uh, I guess I'm on the lookout, too. <laughs> Uh, so close yet Andy, so I know I would I would be at your house Andy with popcorn sitting between you and your wife watching the Oscars <laughs> well, well you know what you know Andy just get your laptop put it right there on can the sofa we, between you and your wife yes. and just have Pete there <laughs> <laughs> oh that would be so good I, I'll, let's I'm Skype there. live stream it Pete. I'll bring my own popcorn yes, and then we go. can like you know I'll take a handful and then I'll like reach it out of the screen and Ange can feed you and it'll be like we're feeding each other popcorn it'll be adorable oh, I can't wait or, I've never been so excited for a Sunday evening uh, let's oh, why don't we uh, why don't we shift into trailers I can let's I can see it. based on our list that all of us uh, brought uh, like Steve, all of us brought incredible horror movies. <laughs> I, I think, actually, given that, uh, Steve should probably go first. <laughs> okay, I was, it was, I was struggling to find things that, you know, like again with my whole trailer philosophy. If I don't want to watch trailers for films that I know I'm going to see, which, you know, rules out some some big things that come out. And this one. <laughs> I was joking that as I looked at it, uh, I said, you know, this is sort of the unofficial sequel to an Oscar, best Oscar picture this year because we've got, you know, call me by your name. And this, you know, my trailer is for a film called Tell Me Your Name, so, <laughs> which is, has I'd like them nothing. to bill it as a sequel. <laughs> yes, it would be a great double feature. Uh, but this one is I'm not a big horror fan, but this one sort of appeals to me because it's well, I haven't done enough research to know whether it's truly truly based on you know real life events or if they're just sort of doing that thing of like based on real events when they've taken like one thing and then just completely run you know off the rails with it but this is a story of a girl who's lost her mother and you know as teenagers often do get into weird experimental summoning up of spirits and apparently gets possessed by some type of you know malevolent being or spirit and so what started off as a trailer looking like it's for just a typical teens, you know, horror movie with some supernatural thing turned tw- turned about halfway through the trailer into something really interesting about exorcisms and priests. And, you know, so I what appeals to me about this is that it looks like a story about as horror genres often do taking on other other issues, sort of sub you know, subliminally or, you know, subtext of, you know, a girl looking for her mother and becoming something else and this evil spirit coming into her. So that's my trailer. It's got some really creepy visuals to it, but, you know, which looked innovative of sort of dark, fat, dark, shadowy figures with glowing eyes, you know, so there's the supernatural, but sort of embodied in something. So that's what appealed to me about this. It's because I, I'm not so much about just spooky, you know, mysterious things happening. I like my horror sort of grounded in reality a little bit more. There's no release date on this one. So it's just sometime in 2018. So I don't know if this is, you know, around the corner in the spring or if this is going to be like a fall Halloween release. But that's my trailer pick. 
it looked good and creepy. Of course. I really enjoyed I enjoyed the trailer. I enjoyed like right out of the gate you have this this uh you know this cute little dating scene where this this guy and girl are standing outside and and you know she I mean she it starts off a little weird where she's like do I scare you and he's like no and then they kiss and and his all of a sudden his mouth is full of blood and it just you know it went uh it went uphill from there it was great I loved it. The um, the there's that fantastic little flash of the devil that character that ha- looked kind of like uh, uh, Tim Curry's character from Legend. Um, there's that creepy, shadowy figure kind of crawling on the bed with the red eyes. It just had a lot of really interesting visuals that um, piqued my curiosity. I, but yeah, I don't know if it's going to be another exorcist or if it's going to be another like exorcism of Emily Rose or you know I'm not exactly sure where it's going to land in the in the realm of exorcism films, but uh, it does have a nice vibe. So it, it definitely uh, looked like something I'd be interested in watching. Yeah. Not me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. But you I just need to do an exorcism. I series, love Pete. that. You love okay, it. Andy. Andy. Okay. I, I will fight so, and die for yeah. your right to enjoy these movies. How's that? <laughs> You're the best. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, I no, it's 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 not my typical, you know, thing that I would I would go for because I as I said I'm not a horror fan, but there's I guess there's something that just seemed sort of above and beyond on this one and I as I looked at it, I think the director I it's not a name I recognize, so I it's, it's, it's what I'm hopeful about is this is something that's not like sort of out of the let's just crank out lots of the same types of movies there was something that, you know, I haven't seen a lot of exorcism movies. They don't come around a lot. And I think I'm ready for another one because the last one I saw was The Exorcist when I was in fifth grade on edited for network TV and I couldn't sleep for three weeks. So I think now, you know, like 30 odd years later, I'm ready for another exorcism movie. (laughs) That's that's the spirit. You go get them. Uh, Yeah. 30 years later, still fighting. Yes. Fantastic. All right. That's Andy. What's yours? Uh, so my trailer is is the new film from director Denise Gamza Ergovin, who was uh, she directed a film called Mustangs a few years ago that uh, was nominated for um, uh, best foreign language film at the Oscars. It won, uh, I think it it won at at, at Cannes too. I think it was um, it was a very very successful film in its uh, in its run of. Uh, of all of the different awards and everything really interesting story. Um, I, I really enjoyed it about uh, some orphan girls and the guardians who are trying to um, arrange their marriages. Um, it, it was a, it was a pretty interesting film. Um, this film that Denise is now behind is called Kings and it's uh, it stars Daniel Craig and Halle Berry. It takes place in, in LA in 1992 uh, right at the time of the, uh, the, the Rodney King uh, trial. And uh, this is kind of a story about this woman, Halle Berry, who has a bunch of foster kids living in South Central LA. And uh, her neighbor is Daniel Craig. And uh, then the verdict of the Rodney King trial is announced and, and everything kind of erupts into violence. And it's about this, this mother trying to keep her kids safe. And uh, Daniel Craig as the neighbor who kind of gets wrapped into this, this whole situation. Um, it, it looks like a really interesting story, um, that, that could be like, this is the sort of film that, you know, it, it's looks like the sort of film that, uh, would be a good one to put out there right now. So I'm very curious about it. I'm curious to see how it does. I'm pretty nervous about its, um, 
rating over on IMDb because it's only at a 4.6. <laughs> As you should be. <laughs> yeah, which is really low. Uh, and that's after uh, it premiered at uh, the Toronto International Film Festival um, last fall. And then it played in at the Stockholm International Film Festival and over in Italy at the Torino Film Fest. Uh, it's going to be playing in uh, the U.S. here. It opens April 27th. Um, but man, that, that low score has me really nervous. But everything about the trailer looked really interesting. And so it really piqued my curiosity. Uh, what do you guys think? Well, I, I have to, and I, you know, I never do this. I never do this. But for some reason, I went over to Rotten Tomatoes because the critics have already started reviewing it. And I just have to read some of these and just let them wash over you, uh, if you will. <laughs> uh, starring Halle Berry and Daniel Craig, Denise Gamze Ergevin's sophomore film is a tonal disaster, jerking from shrill melodrama to screwball comedy and always at the most inappropriate moments. That's Bradley Warren at the playlist. Uh, for all its honorable intentions to address sensitive issues that still sting, King's is an unconvincing tonal patchwork, David Rooney, Hollywood reporter. Eschewing poeticism for an empty sense of prefab empathy, King's is so determined to be hopeful that it forgets to be honest, David Ehrlich, IndieWire, and Peter DeBruge from Variety says, an unmediated jumble. Oh, here's one from Nathaniel Rogers at Film Experience. The most shameful mistake in this bizarre is, is the bizarre choice to cross-cut back and forth between a violent teenage tragedy and a slapstick comedy scene involving two movie stars MacGyvering their way out of police handcuffs in their underwear. <laughs> It's not looking great. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Not looking oh. great. Well, I had great hopes for it. Uh, Pete dashed those uh, pretty <laughs> successfully just now. <laughs> you never know. There is, Maybe there's something it's a, there. It's a straight up zero percent. Nobody enjoyed this film. Yeah. You're making me re regret my uh, not picking my other choice of trailers, Loving Pablo or The Midnight Man, Pete. I don't know. I enjoy these reviews more than the, yeah. so I, how would I've ever had the opportunity <laughs> to let these, uh, let these enter my life? I'm glad I could just help. say it. Thank what you. What did you think of it, Steve? <laughs> well, now I don't know. I know, I know. Uh, no, no, the, I think the edit, the, the trailer that was edited together made this look like a really compelling story about a mother that is trying to care for not only her kids, but other kids in the neighborhood to create a safe environment in a world that is just, you know, crumbling around her. That looks like the story that, you know, I'm expecting when I hear about slapstick things with act. It's yeah, I think, I don't know if it was just trying to lighten the mood, but I wanted this, you know, really heavy drama from this. That's what I'm expecting yeah. from that because yeah, that, right. that to me looks really compelling. And I think, you know, I see, you know, sort of some of the tropes of like, okay, you got Halle Berry, you've got Daniel Craig as the, you know, obnoxious neighbor who, you know, she's, you know, like asking, you know, early in the story, are you going to call CPS on me? And it's like, no, he's not because I think he starts to understand and have some compassion for her situation. I'm like, that's the relationship between those two. That's what, you know, keep it right there. Yeah, right. In the story. That's what that's really what I want out of this. So, you know, this might be one that, you know, JJ and I, you know, re revisit because maybe there's always that cross, you know, disconnect between expectation and what a film actually, you know, tries to execute. And if, if JJ and I walk into this one blind, you know, a year and a half from now and just say, what is this Halle Berry thing? We may find something, you know, 
enjoyable in it. Excellent. I like hearing yeah, that. Yeah, I hope you do walk into it blind because it sounds like that's the only way people are going to see it. Uh, yeah. I really uh, was hoping for, for more after the trailer, too, and and not this baffling and frustrating disappointment. Oh, wait, that's not me. That was Peter Bradshaw of The Guardian. <laughs> they just keep coming. <laughs> uh, anyway. Oh, oh, the, and now for our <laughs> next segment, Pete Reads Mean Reviews. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, are we ready to talk about my horror trailer? Let's, yes. Oh, yes. You killed you bunnies. You're so bunny mean. It's the pancake. Oh, my goodness. I was a big fan of Wreck-It Ralph. And the the. I, I think generally, let's just get this out. People have forgotten what a teaser trailer is. They call this a teaser trailer. It's like a full two-minute like here's the story of Re- Ralph breaks right. the internet. Wreck it, Ralph too. Uh, it, it it looks delightful to me. Ralph finds it, Ralph and Vanellope find their way to the internet uh, and they introduce themselves to the whole world of games beyond uh, their uh, little uh, arcade. And I think it looks terrific. But mostly, as always, I go to the cast list and look at all of the voice characters and. What a terrific collection of voice actors they have uh, captured for this thing. They went and got, in as much as I can tell, they went and got all of the uh, original voice actors for all of these properties. So you'll have Kelly McDonald as Merida, um, Kristen Bell and Adina Menzel as Anna and Elsa, Auli Cravalho as Moana, Alan Tudyk, of course, as everything, um, and Ming-Na Wen as Mulan. Um, uh, let's see, uh, the, the list goes on and on. Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, Jody Benson as Ari. Uh, Irene Better as Pocahontas. Jennifer Hale has been Cinderella for the last 20 years. She's Cinderella here. Um, th- all of them uh, seem to be as close to the original. Even Mario, Charles Martinet, uh, uh, Mario, uh, uh, Mario and Luigi is a voice in here, the original Mario. So uh, it looks like it's going to be a really fun romp through uh, game and cartoon history. The trailer looks fantastic to me, and the they play the jokes, they time the jokes, even for the trailer, just perfectly. Uh, we I was in stitches. We got home last night uh, from this uh, play, and the kids and I sat down at 11.30 last night and watched this trailer, and we're just crying at the Bunny Gets the Pancakes bit. It's too, too good. What do you guys think? Well, I think, you know, animal cruelty. No, I have to point out this one. The fact that this... This teaser shows a toddler being traumatized by a rabbit that explodes from overeating pancakes is severely. De- no, this is going to be hilarious. This is just, uh, you know, I, I love the first one. I'm glad they found a, a way to f- get a new story for Ralph. Uh, you know, where, where do you go with a sequel? That's always the, the challenge. And I think by launching into sort of the whole idea, you know, games out there on the internet and other portable devices creates a whole new world for Ralph to explore. So now I, this, this had me from the beginning. I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Wreck-It Ralph, uh, I think is easily, uh, you know, in my probably top five of the Disney animated films. I think they just did such an amazing job with that story. And this, I was, I was really worried that they were making a sequel to, to it. I'm always worried when they make sequels because so often they're just unnecessary and I, I always think that, you know, companies like like Disney uh, with all of their animated film properties, they really do a good job of avoiding sequels and telling just uh, more unique stories. Um, and when they do sequels, it's 
you know, something like, uh, you know, uh, uh, the rescuers down under or something that isn't as good, or it's one of the straight to video ones. So the fact that they're doing this big, uh, this big sequel here, uh, really kind of surprised me, but watching, watching the trailer, um, it, uh, it really just, it looked like they're capturing all the, all the joy of the first one. I mean, again, they're not giving a lot of the story cause it is just a teaser, but it looks, it looks pretty fun. The, um, and I did hear, uh, I know they showed a bit. Um, I think it's, um, um, uh, they, uh, they go into, or I think it's Vanellope actually ends up in like a, uh, it's like a princess, um, uh, a group where princesses, you know, go through counseling or something like that, you know, like mm-hmm. a, a support group. And that's where she runs into all these other Disney princesses. And they, I love that they cast all of the actual voices that they, uh, they could get to be in that room with them. So, um, and they showed that clip, I believe at, uh, at, uh, the last, uh, um, the big Disney convention. And I just heard it was just fantastic. So very excited about this one. And I am very, uh, very much looking forward to and it actually shows that this is uh that wreck it ralph is in the star wars extended cinematic universe i mean we have <laughs> anthony daniels <laughs> who knew that the big merger would yield this kind of fantastic uh fruit uh, i certainly did not uh this one comes out thanksgiving and uh, that's all I've got to say. Oh, I, I do want to add the the promotional material online is, I, I don't know, the whole concept of the film has is such a gift to promo because, you know, Ralph is on the Internet, which means he can be anywhere. And when I went to IMDb and Ralph opens up the screen, uh, it's it makes more sense than any other site takeover I have ever seen because of the way they set <laughs> it up in the narrative of this trailer and, and hopefully the film. So, uh, it, you know, the marketers, Disney marketers for. Uh, this film uh man slam dunk uh super super great work so really fun all right let's do uh, our list i i was not here last week uh, set it up so yes we kicked off our Catherine bigelow series uh this week with uh pete's favorite favorite film near dark and uh which is a contemporary take on the vampire story kind of a, a vampire quote western film um, and, uh, and because of that, uh, Steve and I thought it'd be fun. Hey, let's, let's do lists of our favorite, uh, contemporary vampire films. So there you are. I'm going to admit, and I will not go first, but I want to admit I have already failed. I don't have a Woody Allen vampire movie. Oh, Pete. I tried. I did try. We had, we had, and hope. I think there was, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I actually think, uh, and I, but, but I didn't want to actually go watch it to, to see. Oh, I, no. I, honest to God, I think that there is a promo, uh, a, a fake promo on in Radio Days, uh, that actually is for a vampire show um, on the radio, like a vampire old timey radio show, and I, I didn't want to go watch it. Uh, but I think the word vampire <laughs> is actually in radio days. If anybody can confirm this, I would love to know, uh, because I think that would have covered my uh, covered my bases. Who wants to go first? I love the vampire genre. And so this was really challenging for me because I had, I had a choice of two directions to go. And I had to account for what I thought, you know, you guys were going to pick. And, you know, so I'm, I'm going in an unconventional route. With this one. So I'm going to start with 1979's Love at First Bite, 
The infamous Count Dracula has been expelled from his castle by the communist government of Russia and ends up in New York. And so the tagline for this one was, your favorite pain in the neck is about to bite your funny bone. (laughs) This is George Hamilton, Susan St. James, Richard Benjamin, and Artie Johnson in a wacky New York (laughs) vampire comedy. (laughs) I don't know if you guys remember if this came across your radar as a young, you know, teen on cable. But, uh, yeah, it was, you know, you can't take vampires seriously. Let's do something ridiculous and silly. And I remember being, you know, 10 or 11 and just thinking this movie was hilarious. Yeah, I have not seen it recently. I have no idea how (laughs) this is going to hold up, (laughs) how the comedy is going to play, you know. This much later, but it's one that I I have a little place on the shelf in my memory for it, and I think I'll just keep it there. Uh, but that's my first vampire. Well, that's, that's a good place. I've never for seen it. that one. I, I have seen it. I am just like you. I totally remember it. And also, I had a crush on Susan St. James. So uh, it was uh, this. I'm never going to watch this again because it's too too great in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but it's over six on the IMDb star rating, which means there's a there's so, a chance it's, it'll it's better stand than up. It's yeah. better than Kings. <laughs> you guys, you guys are terrible. So I'm going to go with one that um, it's it's a, a a really fun and bloody film that I had an absolute blast watching. I had it's based on a graphic novel which I had read beforehand, uh, and I had a great time reading. Um, it is 2007's uh, 30 Days of Night, which um, is just this really fun idea of this vampire story of this Alaskan town that is north enough that uh, in the dark uh, cold of winter, there's a period where it just the sun doesn't come up for a full month for 30 days. And so this this group of vampires go there to basically hang out and have a 30 day party of feeding. Um, and it's just, it was just insanely fun. I had so much fun watching this film. Josh Hartnett and Melissa George are the leads. Danny Houston is our, our lead vampire. And, um, it's, it's a bloody, bloody mess of a film, but it was so much fun to watch. Um, and, uh, yeah, it just, it, it builds to a great ending. I had, I had an absolute blast with it and it is also above the six, uh, star rating on IMDb. So there you go. My first choice, 30 days of night. That is a great choice. And our first steal of the evening. Well done. Yes. Well, oh, done. wow. Yeah. Okay. I was a big fan of this movie. I'm, I'm glad it made your list, uh, too, because a lot of these movies I'm watching, I'm thinking, I, I don't, I don't even know how to gauge whether my opinion of these movies is rational at all. But now that we have uh, Love at First Bite and 30 Days of Night on the table, <laughs> I, I feel like I can go anywhere. Uh, and and so I will open the bidding uh, with 2009's Daybreakers starring, yes, the busiest man in Hollywood, Ethan Hawke, uh, along with Willem Dafoe and Sam Neill. I have to tell you, this movie uh, tickled me because it is not a, a movie that is just about vampires. It's about the economics of vampirism once you extend the narrative to the point where everybody's been turned and, uh, you know, human blood beco- comes into uh, a, a state of shortage. And so uh, I actually found it a, a, a real treat because it's not just kind of a, a fun action horror romp. It's got great technology and uh, a story of uh, economics uh, in uh, embedded in it. And so uh, I really enjoyed it. a way to sell it. Yeah. Hey, I actually yeah. really enjoyed it also above <laughs> the uh, six star rating on IMDb. 
Daybreakers 2009. That and that's the second steal. Outstanding. <laughs> you know, we really I need to start keeping score here. There, there's got to be a, a points yeah. mechanism so that we can uh, so we can keep keep score here, keep a running total. I we got to figure out how that how that'll work. Yeah. It was a, it was a really interesting film. It's definitely worth uh, checking out. It, it wasn't like my one of my favorite vampire movies, but I I think I loved the concept so much because I felt like they were really doing something unique yes. with it. Hallelujah. Yeah. No, those are, are good ones. And if I had gone off my other list, still safe, no steals from that list. So, but I'm going to continue down my wacky path with the story <laughs> of a 400 year old vampire who will cease to look young unless she is able to feed on a virgin three times before the upcoming Halloween. Uh, this is 1985's Once Bitten with Lauren Hutton, a very young Jim Carrey, is a young goofy guy trying to have sex with his girlfriend, and so that's where our conflict happens. He's the virgin that she's trying to, you know, get his blood to so she can stay young, and he's it's the mid 80s. He's really trying to get rid of that virginity, so it's uh, wacky and silly. And I think I watched it maybe last year. Um, and yeah, it's the 80s. It's it's goofy and fun. That's all I can say. That's another one That's I hilarious. can't, I just can't uh, watch ever again. <laughs> it's, it's Jim Carrey. It's once they vamp him out and they, they take him to the classic, oh, yeah. you know, dinner jacket Dracula. Uh, it, it's just <laughs> yes. too much. It's too much. What a great pick. That's another one I haven't seen. What, Andy? What? You're, 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 oh, on, you're on a list of oh. things I have not uh, seen, Steve. So. These are, wow. Okay. I, these are such great picks. This one, I will, I will say, does not make it above the six-star bar for uh, IMDb, which is, oh, which oh. is a shame. But, uh, which yeah. is a shame. It's just, it's just silly yes, fun. Yes, it is silly yeah. fun. Well, my, my second choice uh, does not make it over the six-star bar on <laughs> IMDb either. But I would I would strongly disagree with that. At least my my uh, my memory of it would strongly disagree because I had so much fun with this film and it spurred an entire TV franchise. Uh, it is, of course, Buffy the Vampire Slayer from 1992, directed by Fran Rubel Kuzui and written by, of course, Joss Whedon. Um, the film stars Christy Swanson, um, who I thought was so great as Buffy. I was just in love with her at the time. And she did such a great job of uh, kicking butt and, uh, and and taking down the vampires. Donald Sutherland, of course, is her mentor. And Paul Rubens uh, is really the the standout for me as one of the one of the villains. I think Rutger Hauer is the, the main uh, villain. But Paul Rubens uh, takes the cake for me largely because and this was kind of an era where you didn't have those uh, those um, last moments during credits so much as as you do now with Marvel. But. Paul Rubens just has a few moments uh, toward the end of the film. And I think it's at the end of the credits where he's still kicking. And man, did that have me in stitches. So that is my second choice, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think this is one of those really interesting properties where, uh, you know, Sarah Michelle Gellar sort of redefined Buffy in the series. And I know the series is much more, uh, you know, aligned with what Joss Whedon wanted out of the film of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know, Christy Swanson went such a stereotypical kind of valley girl um, cheerleader slayer. And as a result, I think it's funny. I don't think Christy Swanson would have worked on the TV series. And I really don't think Sarah Michelle Gellar's Buffy would have worked on the movie. And so uh, I, I have a hard time kind of rationalizing the two because I like Geller's Buffy so much better. Um, 
And but for the but film, for the wouldn't film, you agree that? Yeah. But see, and and Kristen, Christy Swanson as the stereotypical cheerleader, taking that concept as the person who is the vampire slayer. I mean, I think that was the the anachronism that we were looking for at the yes. time with the film, and that's what the story did so well is taking the stereotypical cheerleader and turning into turning her into the vampire. Slayer. Yeah, and and you know, I I actually I agree with you. I, I'm I'm actually defending it. Believe it or not, um, I had a, a really great time with this movie and i'm uh, and you're right paul rubens was was the the standout uh you know hit for me the comedic hit he was just uh just terrific um in this movie so i I had a great time with it it it's just hard to watch now that i i am so invested in the tv show and what the tv show sort of represents to to you know to my daughter and family so uh it was it was really uh really a a a great property (laughs) yeah (laughs) See, I just never, I, I think because of age of kids at the time, I just never got into the TV show. So, oh, I, Steve, I really enjoyed I, this. You would yeah, love it now. I, no, I, no, it's one of those things that I don't think it's going to age as well coming at it, you know, this, this far past its, its original air date. I think some of, you know, culture and things at times have changed that it's going to feel weird. I don't know. I, I love the movie because I think, yeah, as Andy points out, it works really well to have that sort of, you know, contrast in the film to do that. I agree. And a TV show would not work. And the, I just want to say for Paul Rubens, I think what was really interesting was, as I recall, this was the first film he appeared in or that was released after his little controversial arrest in the early 90s. And so this was his first like non Pee Wee Herman role where he sort of went on the darker side of like, oh, wait, that's Pee Wee Herman. Oh, he's playing a really weird guy. And this is uh, he's not the light humorous, humorous comic guy. He's you know, his character was a little darker and sarcastic and so that's the one thing that i always remember this is like oh we get the other side of, of paul rubens on this one after the the peewee adult movie theater incident i think he actually popped up a brief cameo in batman returns before this oh, but, okay. uh, both were the same year but uh, it, again it was just a small cameo yeah largely this was where he returned to the screen so Number two. All right. Uh, I am going back not too far in 2014. Uh, another vampire comedy, What We Do in the Shadows. Viago Deacon and Vladislav. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> you got it. Uh, right. Vampires finding that modern life has them struggling with the mundane, like paying rent, keeping up with the chore wheel, trying to get into nightclubs and overcoming flatmate conflicts. I don't know. Uh, I, I feel like this movie is funny. The material is funny on its own, but it is it is ratcheted up a hundred percent because it is delivered in Kiwi accents. I for some reason watching these guys, uh, watching these guys go about their lives, Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi, uh, and it, it are just. I mean, it's just hilarious, side-splittingly funny watching them deliver their sort of dry vampire roles. I I don't know. I get such a a tickle out of this movie and uh, everything that they they are trying to accomplish. And it's made even better now that Taika Waititi has achieved, you know, such great success behind the camera. Also has been on my list of things to see. Andy, really? What? Oh my God! What the heck? It's terrible. Do you even watch movies anymore? <laughs> you need to get back in that Blot Nelson zone, buddy. I, know. You... I fell out. I fell <laughs> off the wagon, man. 
for crying out loud. Steve, this was a steal? Yeah, this was a, a steal. So now I've got to go with something serious and Ooh. different. Ooh. Yeah, okay. So, uh, all right. So when I think of vampire movies, I worked in a video store in high school. And so developing sort of, you know, a taste for, you know, specific filmmakers and looking at style of films. And what, so when I think of vampire movies, uh, and I, I sort of go back to my roots there and I go back to an amazing film, just very visual and very unique story. Uh, Tony Scott's The Hunger from 1983 with Susan Sarandon, David Bowie and Catherine Deneuve. Uh, just one of the, you know, style all, all across the board, you see, you know, Tony Scott just create with his strong sense of visuals and a very interesting story that has some science brought into the, the vampire realm with some researchers trying to, to develop some things and uh, seeing monkeys sort of turn on each other as, as cannibals. And then we get a connection to Catherine Deneuve's character of, you know, she's an Egyptian that's been alive for hundreds and hundreds of years. So not the traditional, you know, Eastern European vampire with, you know, crucifixes and garlic and all of that, but just sort of a, a different story uh, that to me is, is just one of my favorite vampire films of all time. I haven't watched this in a very long time, uh, but my memory of it is very good. And I can't believe it didn't come up in our conversation about the young girls of Rochefort. It's very different. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine Deneuve. <laughs> <laughs> and I have not seen this one either. I'm ashamed. <laughs> Andy, I'm ashamed to be a part of this what? show. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Yeah. Why do you even? What are you even bringing to this this morning? I know. I know. Why am I here? <laughs> so, so you know what? I guess Pete, you have to bring Woody Allen movies. I just get tasked with bringing movies Andy hasn't <laughs> seen right. on my That's list. Right. But you so. can't ask him first. And judging by today's performance, you won't have any trouble. <laughs> no. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, oh my goodness all right andy let's see number one have you even seen your number right. one pick i wonder <laughs> i hear this one is good <laughs> no this one actually is uh i think it's uh, one of uh, my favorite uh, vampire films and largely because i saw it uh I, I i wasn't allowed to see it when it came out in theaters but i did uh rent it and it was one that i watched uh quite a bit and just have loved to pieces because it really hit the perfect time in my life, kind of like the Lost Boys we were talking about on the show, how that was something that hit at a perfect time in our life. Fright Night from 1985 was uh, such a fun film, and I had so much fun watching Tom Holland's film. Uh, I, I loved it. I totally identified with Charlie Brewster. Uh, you know, I was in love with uh, Amy and uh, his his neighbor, played by Chris Sarandon, uh, Jerry Dandridge, uh, along uh, with his uh, support from Roddy McDowell. Um, just so much fun. I, I love this movie. His buddy, Evil Ed, was just a great kick. Uh, I just had so much fun with this movie. It was like the perfect movie for a, a young kid who is falling in love with horror movies to uh, fall in love with. Because it's about this kid who loves horror movies uh, and uh, finds out that his neighbor is a vampire and recruits the help of... A, uh, a a late night TV host who kind of hosts a show about horror movies uh, to kind of help him out. And it's just a, it's such a fun film. So that is my uh, final pick, Fright Night, the original, not the remake. You're so cool, Brewster. <laughs> <laughs> God, I love that movie so there it is. much. Yes. Oh, I really love that movie. Yes. That's another one I worry about watching again, though. When's the last time you've, oh. you saw it? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, within the last 10 years. All right. 
and I, oh, st- okay. I still enjoy it. Yeah. All right, because it's it's been a long, long time. But yeah, the, oh, what I remember loving about this is that it just it embraced sort of American, you know, like the whole like late night horror shows. I've really, you know, to me, I look at this as one of those key horror films of like, we're get, we're very self-aware of horror films as a genre, uh, you know, sort of like pre, you know, Wes Craven's scream of, of that. And that was just such a great take on this of a character that knows, Hey, this is how horror movies work, or this is how vampire, you know, that it's, that we have that self-awareness and it was so fresh and just, you know, embracing sort of like what it is to be a teenager so much fun yeah i haven't seen it i was worried about it but eh, you know i think andy i may have to just uh check this one out again because it just brings such great memories back thinking it, about yeah it. i i think so i i think it does uh warrant a revisit it's a lot of fun well and uh, you're right on with amanda beers i uh, you know as amy i was i totally had a crush on her too and uh and then she went on and and did you know years of uh, years and years and years of married with children uh, as as Marcy Darcy, and uh, it was a nice little uh, nice little uh, way to catch up with old Amy uh, to to know That's she great. made it out of that nightclub, and uh, and she she made it into the suburbs. So anyway, and you know what? She's in Sky Sharks, which uh, what didn't we talk about that trailer at some point? <laughs> yeah. The one that's coming out this year. Yes. Oh my goodness. Uh, so glad she the made Nazis, it out of the fright night the house. Yeah, there you go. Uh, all right. Well, I'm I am uh, down at the bottom of my list for number one. Uh, it, it was this was a tough one. I I am not picking Lost Boys, uh, and I'll I just want to get that out because I think that that's going to be the expected thing for me. I'm not picking it um, uh, because I worry uh, that that's going to be one that's that's a nostalgia pick. I am picking Quentin Tarantino. Uh, how can how can ah. any list of modern vampire movies, uh, uh, you know, exist without bringing up From Dusk Till Dawn, 1996, two criminals and their hostages unknowingly seek temporary refuge in a truck stop populated by vampires with chaotic results. Selma Hayek, Harvey Keitel, George Clooney, Juliette Lewis, and the rest of the Tarantino crew. Uh, it is gory and uh, there's some great comedy and Tarantino just owns the one-liners in his uh, screenplays. And uh, I had a great time. I actually enjoyed Tarantino in it as, you know, the the dumb brother. Uh, I actually think he did a, a fine job as uh, Richard uh, Gecko. Uh, uh, so I, I had a really good time in this movie and uh there are some great wonderful vampire surprises uh, uh in this one so that's it from dust till dawn that's my list might might be the only vampire or might might be the only tarantino performance that uh warrants looking at yeah um, i don't think that generally he's not somebody you want to watch on screen because he just ugh. exactly it was a surprise it was a total surprise that that he was in it and was able to pull it pull it off uh and and i think largely because uh, he was pulling it off opposite of Clooney, who was super fun. So, uh, uh, yeah. great, great movie. And if you haven't, you should check out Full Tilt Boogie, which is the documentary about the production of From Dusk Till Dawn, which I recall checking out. Uh, I think it was, I actually picked it up at Blockbuster. It was one of those, you know, documentaries that you could actually find. Uh, it was a recent documentary. And I remember enjoying that. And then, mm-hmm. Pete, if you have so much time, you may want to check out the Dust Till Dawn TV series. Really? I've I, heard I watched the first couple. I, I watched the first couple episodes and again, just trying to find space. 
in my viewing schedule. But it's because they start off where like the movie starts, where you've got, you know, the Gecko brothers out there on the road and stopping in the convenience store. And they, they hit all the points. It's really, you know, fleshed out. We, instead of having to move the story along so fast to, to get them to, you know, where they need to be, there's a lot more with the with the brothers and on the road and the police. And so they've sort of stretched that, you know, movie, I think almost to like the full first season is the, the movie, I think. But um, yeah, I think it's, it's worth checking out. I, I won't say it's like must-see tv uh but it's, because that's it's something trademarked. that if you really enjoy that's why you wouldn't say that. well that's uh, dang yeah. it all right it's t- <laughs> it's 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 good for watching on friday it's, it's tgif <laughs> i uh i should but add that to I, the list. i'd say check check out a check it out an episode or two um see what you think because if you if you love the movie you may, you may uh want to it's a way to revisit that you know universe. it sounds like it solves one of the like pretty much the only problem i had with that movie is that uh is the pacing that it it feels like it's yeah. a lot of story in a short period of time like he just needed more room to tell it because once they get into the horror stuff it is a different movie it's a hard pivot yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, and yeah. um and, and so I, I i feel like the tv show actually might have been a, a better property for it It reminds me actually of uh the strain too, the guillermo del toro uh series which originally was written as a movie and i think in one of the only examples of a studio giving great advice uh they said you know what you need to flesh this out this what you're trying to sell as a movie actually needs to be in a different uh, in a different media. And so they went back and wrote the series of books and the books were then optioned by Fox for a TV series. And the TV series is a lot of fun for a horror show. I really get into it. Uh, it is absolutely the right format for this story. They did a fantastic job. So I, that's what it, it reminds me of. I, I think it's... it's uh, it, it, probably uh worth it for me so i will take that advice and if you enjoyed uh eliza gonzalez in baby driver as darling she is santanico pandemonium the uh sama hayek <gasps> role oh no i very much enjoyed uh her in baby driver i very much enjoyed that <laughs> yes i'm sorry i need to Thought go you might <laughs> <laughs> Uh, excellent list, guys. I really enjoy yeah. this list of movies. Well done. Yeah. I've been uh, eager and dreading the next part of this conversation uh, because of the movie that we watched this week. How will we come up a list with a list that could even possibly compare to our subject? Is it movies with guys shooting guns in the air oh! going, ah! <laughs> <laughs> it should be. That should be our list. Yeah, we are. Uh, we are. Our next in our Catherine Bigelow series is, of course, Point Break. Um, and so, yeah, uh, do we want to do a series where it's, uh, you know, a a, a a cop and a, a bad guy and their relationship on screen, or uh, original movies before uh, before the remakes uh, inevitably took over? Oh, um. <laughs> Our favorite Keanu Reeves movies. (laughs) Keanu Reeves surfing movies. I would just do all nine point breaks. I I could go with uh, any of those. Uh, We could do our favorite undercover movies. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? I think that that works. I like it. Okay. Our favorite movies movies about characters that have to go undercover. Uh, And we've already talked about Rush. So that's off the table. Right. Okay. (laughs) Aww. <laughs> okay. uh, what a great list! Can't can't wait to see. Yeah, can't wait to see what Woody Allen has. Up his <laughs> oh, I know. No, I'm, I'm going straight to radio days. Here's hoping. <laughs> <laughs> 
thanks, guys. As always, uh, I'm so glad to be back and healthy and talking to you this fine uh, Saturday morning. Uh, and thank you all for downloading and listening to this show as Patreon subscribers. We sure appreciate your uh, time and attention and uh, you helping to literally and directly support what we're doing over at the next reel. So thank you, everybody. Guys, uh, have a great Saturday. Same to you, sir. Same to you. Thank you. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Get started today.